and this is the message of the day in this candlelight service. I know that we have our babies in here with us. Our kindergarten through five, fifth grade is in here with us, and they'll get a little stir crazy if I go too long. So uh, I'm going to aim for being just as efficient as we were last service. But the message today is, is to outlive the candle to outlive the candle. The, the purpose of this candlelight service is the representation of the, the light of God. In fact, we showed a video just a few weeks ago that, that the, the only thing that we have really gotten right is where Jesus should be in the manger scene and the fact that the star of David was shining over the Christ child. The only thing that we've gotten right is, is the light that we have and the light that God desires to be. And so our hope for you in this, in this hour, in this abridged service, is that at some point in this service, and, and hopefully beyond the sanctuary, beyond the foyer, the parking lot, even be, beyond this celebration of this season, is that at some point you would see the light of God in your heart, in your family, amongst your friends, in the lives of the people that God puts in your path, and that your light would burn beyond this service and beyond this message. Had a little history on, uh, we used to have a light plugged into our windowsill. Anybody still do that? Anybody ever have one of those? You plug in a light. We didn't do a real candles. We were upstairs and my parents knew better than to put a live candle in my bedroom. I'm just saying they were smarter than that. And so I got one that plugged into the wall and it would light our, our upstairs bedrooms. And did anybody else have that? No, Kelsey had, Kelsey had one. No, she didn't have one. I guess I was just a favored child. I had a light in my room. So no, she said, yes, I'm sorry. Everybody knows she's prettier and my parents love her more than me. So it's just a true statement, but we had a light. And I, I began to, I was wondering, man, where did we get this from? Where did that come from? And the first place that it kind of dates back to is during the colonial era when people would travel long distances for an extended period of time. And if, if they were welcome to a house, kind of like Joseph and Mary were not welcome in the house that they tried to go to because there was no room, but if these people had room and if they were welcoming travelers or passers-by, they would put a candle in their window to make sure, to make sure that people knew they had a place to belong. They would intentionally make sure that a guest had a place. And that's our heart here at this church, is that we would make sure that people know if you don't have a place to belong, you belong here. That we want you to understand that God doesn't love us any more than he loves you and yours. And if you don't have a spot, then we've got a seat saved for you. The next place that I found it dates even a little bit further back was during the English penal laws. They would they were trying to suppress the gospel and the, the move of the church. And actually the Irish came together and they began to light candles in their window. And if they had a candle lit in their window, it was in hopes of a pastor or a priest seeing that candle and coming to their home to perform a mass or a service around this time of year. That, that Because they couldn't meet publicly, they would put lights in their windows so that the pastors or the priest would come to their home and they could still celebrate the birth of Jesus in their own home. And when asked about it, they would simply say, hey, that just represents that Mary and Joseph would have had a place to stay if, if they were coming through here. It's just a symbolic lighting uh, that we want to make sure that God knows he is, we're available that our house is a place where he can come and rest. 
God's light in our lives has to outlive the candles that we hold. Um, as you came in this morning, I, I think all the adults probably got a candle, and then uh, all the children got like a little light, okay? So if currently, right now, if your child has a candle, um, take that away, okay? Um, because that is not how we want to raise finances in this sanctuary, by burning it down just a few days before Christmas. So adults, hold on to the candles. Don't give your candle away for them to shake it around and dump wax all over the place. Hold on to that light. Pastor Robert uh, Alden, which is the pastor in about the 18th century, um, and the church actually that was mimicked in Little House on the Prairie. It was this pastor and this church that they looked at. That pastor said this, that there is not enough darkness in the whole world to put out the light of even one candle. There's not enough darkness in the whole world to put out the light of even one small candle. In fact, if, if we turned off all the lights, which we're not going to do, and we just had one candle burning, no matter how much darkness there is, darkness does not have power over light. Light has power over darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend, cannot constrict, cannot even understand the light. And sometimes we've got to intentionally turn on the light. Sometimes we've got to intentionally look for the light. When I was about 12 years old, I said 13 in first service just because I thought, man, there's no way that my stepdad let me go out in the woods with my cousin who was only two years older than me at 12 years old. I actually think I was 11, but I'm just giving him some breathing room. We went coon hunting. Anybody ever been coon hunting? Anybody eat coon? Look, I had not eaten a coon, man. I'm telling you, as long as God's still making cow and deer, you can have the coons. I, you, I don't understand why we're going to revert to that. But anyways, we went out coon hunting, and if you cook one and put it in a pot, I'll try it. I'm probably not going to eat the whole thing, but I'll try some of it. We went out, and we were and our dogs got lost. So we all went back to the camp. And uh, for some reason, my, I mean, my, my cousin was upset. That was his dog. Go, go find my dog. Go, Tim, go, go find my dog. Go, go find my dog. And I was like, dude, I'll go with you. Stupid idea. Bad, bad idea. Don't say that word, kids. Bad idea. Bad idea. But we went out, and what happened is we began to kind of trudge through. The, did you guys know that there is actually swamps in North Louisiana? There really is. It's a true story. So we were walking through what was very similar to what you guys have down here because we're in the same state. We were walking through this swampy area, and man, there were snakes coming. And if you've ever, if you've been in here at any for any length of time, you know that the snakes and I don't jive. Like, if you bring in a snake, we will kindly ask you and your snake to go back where you came from. But other than that, you're welcome to come to this church, and you have a seat saved for you. Uh, but these snakes were, I mean, every y'all every five yards. I mean, I'm running out of bullets in my 22. I'm running out. We're busting and popping. I'm scared, y'all. I make scared seem brave in this moment. I'm telling you. I'm scared. We get out on the other side of this swampy area, and, and we realize we're lost. And, and by the way, that's one of the first steps that you've got to acknowledge. In life, uh, in a relationship with Jesus, you've got to come to the understanding that Without the light, you're lost. And so we wandered around in the woods for the next three and a half hours, cold and wet, and we finally just gave up because when you don't have a light, you're willing to wait on it. 
when you don't have the light, when the light is not there or you're not looking for it and, and you are in a place, you've put yourself in a position to where you are without light, you are willing, when you recognize that you're stuck in darkness, when you recognize that you are lost, you will sit down and you will be willing to wait on the light. And fortunately, at about 4.30 in the morning, all the grown men finally woke up and realized the two kids weren't there, <laughs> praise God. And they got out and they came through the woods. They were looking and yelling and we saw a light. I'm talking about the best light I have ever seen coming down this trail that was 20 yards away from us. The four-wheeler pulled up 20 yards. We're screaming and yelling and we jump up. And it's amazing what you'll run through whenever you see the light. It's amazing what you'll run through and what you'll be willing to do whenever the light is shine in your life. And fortunately, we were looking for the light, so we recognized it. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. They may live in a land of deep darkness, but a light will shine. For unto us, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be resting upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We should look for the light. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, you've got to remember that no matter where you are in life, you've got to look for the light. No matter what situation is staring you in the face, you've got to look for the light, because if you're not looking for the light, then you won't recognize it when you see it. And just like the people who had been prophesied to for 2,000 years, the people who Isaiah told this light was coming 700 years before the light ever came, they were surprised by the light that they should have been looking for. The Messiah surprised people when he came the first time. People were surprised when the Messiah came. Listen to me, friend. People are going to be surprised when the Messiah comes back. People are not going to expect his return because they're not going to be looking for his light. They're not going to be living in his light. And in fact, the scripture doesn't say that people didn't recognize him or that people were surprised by him. Things had gotten so bad amongst the people of God, amongst the sheep of his fold, that even the shepherds didn't recognize him. See, listen, pastors are going to get this thing wrong because pastors are still just people just like the rest of you. But when we look to the light, we can live at a greater level. When we look to the light, we can have a greater purpose. And when we watch, pray, and stand alert, place our faith on the word of God that's been proclaimed since Genesis chapter 1, then when the light returns, we will recognize him and we will be with the Lord forever because he came and he's coming back. And I challenge you not to be surprised by the fulfillment of something that he's already promised. In verse 8, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And listen, they were terrified. They were terrified. Now, Genesis chapter 1 says that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And Paul says, not only were we created in his image and likeness, but we were created for his glory. So the shepherds, the pastors, 
had gotten so used to just living their lives and not looking for the light, not watching, not praying, not letting their light shine outside of a service. The shepherds had gotten so used to it. And listen, listen. They were created for the glory of God. They were surrounded by the glory of the Lord. And yet they were terrified. They were afraid. What they were supposed to be fulfilled by actually caused them fear because they were surprised, because they weren't looking. What you're supposed to be fulfilled by If you're not looking for the light, if you're not letting the light of God shine beyond the service, shine beyond a sanctuary, beyond a foyer, shine beyond your good days, if you're not letting the light shine, then what you were created for will actually cause you to fear. But, verse 10, the angel reassured them. Listen, I came to prophesy to somebody today as the angel reassured the shepherds. Whatever you're going through, if you look for the light, do not be afraid. As the angel prophesied into that scared shepherd, I tell you today, do not be afraid. If your finances are not lining up, then you serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hilltops. He's still Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Do not be afraid. If you're going through a battle that seems bigger than you, you got to remember that he's still Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Do not be afraid. If you're facing death and staring it in the face because of a sickness or disease that feels bigger than you, I'm telling you that Jehovah Rapha has been in this place. We don't ask him to heal. We praise him that he is the healer. Do not, do not be afraid, but look for the light. The angel said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you the gospel. I bring you a bigger perspective than your current situation. The good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior Yes, the Messiah, the one that's been prophesied, the one that's been promised, the one that showed his proof in the resurrection. He came and he's coming back. The Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign, finding him as a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, come on, there's a lot of suddenlies. Somebody needs a suddenly moment in the church today. Somebody needs a suddenly encounter in the house this morning. Suddenly, the scripture says, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. I may look at something that doesn't seem like what I want it to. I may be lost in darkness. I may be stumbling in fear, but glory to God in the highest and peace in my family, peace in my future, peace in my heart, peace in my house, peace in everything that I put my hand to, peace that surpasses all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory to those with whom God is well pleased. I ask you this Christmas to recognize the light as we end this year and start next year recognize the light reignite the light of God in your life 
reinvigorate, do whatever it takes, go through whatever you have to. When you look to the light and you see the light, give God his rightful place. Give it back to him. Let it shine beyond the service. Outlive your candle. Let...